0: This morning we're looking at Luke chapter 13, verses 18 through to 21. Luke 13, verses 18 through to 21. The mustard seed and the leaven. The mustard seed and the leaven. By way of introduction, let me remind you, last Sunday we considered the Lord Jesus Christ teaching in a synagogue where there was a woman who had been bent double with a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. It's a long time, isn't it? When Jesus saw her, he said to her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her. And immediately she was made straight and glorified God. However, not everyone approved of what Jesus did. The ruler of the synagogue responded with indignation. He was angry because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. Jesus then answered by calling him a hypocrite and by pointing out that compassion is even shown to animals on a Sabbath day. And in Luke chapter 13 verse 16, Jesus said, and ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan have bound, lo, these eighteen years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? What ought to have been celebrated? That poor woman being delivered from bondage by Satan produced opposite effects, different effects within that place of worship. Those were who were opposed to Jesus his enemies, they were ashamed. Jesus, having no doubt shamed them when he called the ruler of of the synagogue a hypocrite. And those who opposed him were every bit as hypocritical as the ruler of the synagogue. But on the other hand, others rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by the Lord Jesus Christ. So there you have it. There was a mixed response to Jesus back then and when you think about it, nothing has changed, has it? Even on, the, on this island, there's a mixed response to the glorious works, the wondrous works of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are those who oppose Jesus but also by the grace of God. There are those who rejoice for all the glorious things that... That have been done by Jesus, in particular, his victory over sin, Satan and death at the cross. And his triumphal resurrection from the dead. People do rejoice. Those who know Jesus. And the the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings. People who were made conformable unto the death of Jesus. Having been crucified with Christ. Having been raised up to newness of life in Jesus. They know his wonderful works. And they rejoice. Do you not, dear Christian? Rejoice in your great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Straight after Jesus delivered that woman from the spirit of affliction, he gave some very encouraging assurances about the certainty of the expansion of the kingdom of God. And that is what we shall be looking at this morning. And we'll be looking at it in the form of two short parables. One is about a grain of mustard seed and the other one is about leaven, which is yeast. That's what leaven is, yeast. So, let's have a look at our passage. It's Luke chapter 13. I'm going to read from verse 18. Then said he, Unto what is the kingdom of God like? And whereunto shall I resemble it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and cast into his garden, And it grew and waxed a great tree. It became a great tree. And the fowls of the air lodged in the branches of it. And again he said, Whereunto shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, or uh, of flour, three measures of flour, till the whole was leavened. Jesus sometimes gave the spiritual meaning to his parables, but not so in these two parables that I've just read. As such, you'd have to wonder what that mixed bag of people in the synagogue understood concerning the kingdom of God being likened to a tiny mustard seed that becomes a great tree. I say that because the fact of the matter is that amongst the people who had responded to the miraculous deliverance uh, of that woman with indignation or with joy, from both sides of the camp there, some, there would have been a mixed response or mixed understanding to those two parables. Whether they opposed Jesus or whether they, they, they worshipped him. In both camps, there would have been people who were waiting for an earthly king, an earthly deliverer, to conquer the Roman occupation and to set up an earthly kingdom. For example, in John chapter 6, after Jesus had miraculously fed over 5,000 people by multiplying just five loaves of bread and two small fishes, we're told in verse 15 of John chapter 6, That when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. Now these are people that just had their tummies fed by all that bread and fish that had been multiplied. They'd seen the miracle, they'd followed Jesus and they tried to make him a king. The fact that they tried to take Jesus by force sounds to me like they weren't even looking to God to set up an earthly kingdom and restore their former glory. They would do it themselves. They would make Jesus a king themselves. Even the disciples in the early days imagined Jesus to be an earthly king. After his resurrection from the dead, According to Acts chapter 1 and verse 6, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? However, as Jesus had already said to the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. Since no spiritual explanation is given by Jesus to the two Parables that we're going to consider this morning concerning the kingdom of God. We'll proceed as if, uh, as we're guided by the Holy Spirit and we'll proceed with the help of other Bible passages such as the parable of the sower in Luke chapter 8, uh, which I read a few minutes ago. Also a few verses from the Old Testament book of Ezekiel. We won't be flicking all over the place in the Bible, but I will be referring to those two passages. One in Luke chapter 8, and then a passage in the book of Ezekiel. First of all, the grain of mustard seed. Let's have a look again at our verses, reading Luke chapter 13, verse 18. Then said he, unto what is the kingdom of God like? And whereunto shall I resemble it? It is like a grain of mustard seed which a man took and cast into his garden and it grew and waxed a great tree and the fowls of the air lodged in the branches of it. The grain of mustard seed that is sown into the world by the son of man sees tremendous growth so much so that it becomes a great tree. As for the fowls of the air, or the birds of the air, some of the commentators see them as representing evil, representing the devil, because in the parable of the sower that I read earlier, the fowls that came down and devoured the seed that was sown at the roadside are said by Jesus to be the devil catching away The word of the kingdom. That is where Jesus gives the explanation of the parable of the sower. The birds coming, swooping down, taking away the seed. That represents, well that's a picture of the devil. Taking away the word that is sown into hearts. However, in the parable of the mustard seed that is before us now. The fowls are not said to to be devouring seed the mustard seed has become a great tree and the fowls of the air are making their nests in it they're not eating it up they're making their nests in it surely the great tree can be seen as a place of refuge for the fowls of the air surely that tree depicts a place of refuge and rest for God's people the Bible commentator John Gills says the following about the fowl of the air in the mustard tree. Not Satan and his principalities and powers, which devour the seed sown by the wayside, nor the angels of heaven, but rather they are the saints, ...such to whom the gospel is come in power, and who have the grace of God wrought in their hearts, who are partakers of the heavenly calling. These come where the gospel is preached, and where gracious souls are met together, even in the several gospel churches, where they not only come and go, but where they lodge, abide, and continue under the shadow of the gospel, and gospel ordinances... And that with great delight and pleasure, singing songs of praise to God for his electing and redeeming love and for calling grace and for all spiritual blessings and gospel privileges. Also, there are a couple of verses in the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, which are very similar. Before we even look at them, let me just remind, uh, this always reminds me. Years ago, when I was living in India, one evening, I can't actually remember if I was feeling homesick or if I was just at peace and content with my lot as a child of God. But I was sitting outside on my own, sitting outside the school in the beautiful grounds of uh, wherever we were in India. It was silent. But then I heard rustling in the tree. There was a big tree in front of me. And I looked up at the tree and I couldn't see anything, it was dark, but I heard the rustling in the tree. And it just made me think, this is a picture of the kingdom of Christ. And all those birds, they're taking refuge in that tree. And I'm in Christ. I'm in him. I belong to him. He's my saviour. He's my fortress. My everything, I've kind of given it away I guess, but let me just um, turn your attention, you don't have to turn to it unless you want to, it's Ezekiel chapter 17. These are the verses that came to mind when I was sitting on my own uh, outside the school ground, in the school grounds rather, in India. Ezekiel chapter 17 verse 22 Thus saith the Lord God, I will also take of the highest branch of the high cedar and will set it. I will crop off the top of his young twigs, a tender one, and will plant it upon a high mountain an eminent. In the mountain of the height of Israel will I plant it, and it shall bring forth boughs and bear fruit and be a goodly cedar. And under it shall dwell all fowl of every wing, in the shadow of the branches thereof shall they dwell. And also connects, I think, very well with uh, uh, Isaiah chapter 53, uh, talking about Jesus, the prophecy of Jesus. He's a root out of dry ground, according to Isaiah. Anyway, concerning these verses from Ezekiel chapter 17 verse 22 and 23, let me tell you what Gill says about that. He says that the fowl of every wing are converted sinners of all sorts and of all nations, Jews and Gentiles, compared to birds because they, because weak, defenseless, And timorous, exposed to danger, and wonderfully delivered, are subject to wander and go astray, and for their chirping and warbling notes, now these may be said to dwell under the shadow of the branches of this goodly cedar, Christ and his church, that is under the ministration of the word and ordinances, which is a very delightful and refreshing shadow, a very safe and fruitful one. If, as seems reasonable to assume, the fowls of the air, the birds of the air that make their nest in the mustard tree, coming back to our passage in Luke 13, if if the fowls in in that mustard tree are not all the same, they're not all all sparrows or blackbirds or whatever, and they are fowl of every wing, similar to that in Ezekiel chapter 17, then what our verse is appointing us to, Is the one true church before the throne of God in eternal blessedness as witnessed by the Apostle John who said in Revelation chapter 7 verses 9 and 10. And this is what a vision this was. Can you listen and imagine it? John says I beheld and lo." A great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands and cried with a loud voice saying salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb. How wonderful that is. You know, uh, we can't really begin to imagine what heaven will be like. But we do get a glimpse of it here. John gives us a glimpse. The word of God gives us a glimpse. In the words I've just read to you. And we can see what it won't be. It's not like this world, is it? Nothing like this world. It's a place where God is worshipped by the redeemed and to think that very soon after Jesus ascended to heavenly glory having been delivered by God to the cross for all he came to save and having been raised again for their justification the apostle peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and spoke to them and there numbered how many at the beginning the very beginning in Acts chapter 1, uh, when Peter stood up and spoke to the disciples, 120 of them. That's not a big number. Let's not kid ourselves that that's a lot of people. It's not. However, on the day of Pentecost, about 3,000 Jewish souls were converted and added to the church. And now, about 2,000 years later, God only knows how many rebellious hearts from all nations of the world have been subdued and how many repentant souls have been transferred from darkness into the everlasting kingdom, having trusted in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. It's anybody's guess, isn't it? John saw a great multitude in his vision from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Secondly, we'll look briefly at the second of today's parables, the parable of the leaven. Let's have a look at verse 20 and 21. And again he said, whereunto shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till the the whole was leavened. More often than not in the Bible, leaven or yeast is spoken of in terms of it representing moral decay. It's not normally a nice thing in the Bible. For example, in Luke chapter 12 and verse 1, Jesus said, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. We're back to that again, hypocrisy. That's the leaven of the Pharisees. The leaven referred to their doctrines which were the traditions of men and were given a higher place than God's law. More and more of this man-made tradition was being added all the time. And uh, consequently God's law became an irrelevance to them at any rate. However, in view of what has just been considered in the parable of the mustard seed, I don't imagine that the leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour was anything but good and positive. And in line with the previous parable, the point being made by Jesus is that the kingdom of God will expand. In this case, like dough expands when yeast is put in it. It's speaking about the growth of the kingdom, just like the mustard tree that started as a tiny mustard seed and became a great tree. Finally, in Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 through to 14, the Apostle Paul said, Giving thanks unto the Father which have made us meet, To be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who have delivered us from the power of darkness and have translated us unto the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. The growth... Or the expansion of the kingdom of heaven is the consequence of people being added to it when by the grace of God they trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins. They are redeemed with His precious blood. They have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of their sins. They've been delivered by God from darkness, from hell's destruction. And they have been transferred into the kingdom of his dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is you, dear Christian. I'm forever quoting these verses these days. I know I'm like a record that's stuck, but it's worth repeating time and again as a Christian. You have been transferred from darkness into light. From the devil's dark domain into the everlasting kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? It's tremendous. But I would have to ask, where do you stand in all of this? I'm speaking to everyone now, and some people in particular, where do you stand? Are you still groping around in darkness? Or do you have citizenship? of the heavenly kingdom, having shown repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a hymn that wonderfully describes the growth of the kingdom of God, whether you're thinking of it in terms of a tiny mustard seed that becomes a great tree with birds roosting in it, or perhaps in terms of three measures of flour with yeast mixed into it, And this is what the hymn writer wrote as I finish. Jesus shall reign where'er the sun, does its successive journeys run. His kingdom stretch from shore to shore, till moon shall wax and wane no more. People and realms of every tongue dwell on his love with sweetest song. And infant voices shall proclaim their early blessings on his name. Amen. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Amen.